Welcome to episode 10 of Just Admit It. I'm Rachel, Ivy Wise Counselor and former Assistant Dean of Admissions at Swarthmore College. And I'm joined today with Ivy Wise friend and colleague, Eric, who is a former admissions officer at Columbia University. So today we're going to talk about extracurricular activities. Yes, get excited, everyone. All of the things that you do and know and love outside of your classes to keep you busy. And we want to help demystify, as always, and clarify what it is that students can, should, um, and want to be doing outside of classes in order to augment themselves uh, in the college process. Yes, yes. So, Eric, like, tell us, what is the function of extracurriculars? How do those function in the, like, application review process? Maybe we could start there. Yes, it's a logical starting point. So the way that extracurricular activities function is they keep you busy (laughs) and they keep you engaged in the things that you know and love. And then they also sidebar factor into the college admission process. Um, When a student applies to a college, we often have, you know, underscored the importance of GPA, rigor of curriculum, and test scores. And those will almost always uniformly be the most decisive factors in the admission process. Once a student um, overcomes those sort of informal hurdles for admission and benchmarks that a school um, in a certain degree of selectivity is expecting, then the college will go to your extracurricular activities and your writing in order to make those sort of small distinctions. So I think colleges are looking for students that are engaged for students that are pursuing things that are of interest to them and sort of being able to help craft that narrative of who you are outside of the classroom since the academic snapshot is already giving the college a good sense of who you are academically and extracurriculars are another way to sort of give qualitative personal information in the process. Yeah, such a, yeah, that's great. I mean, I always think to with regard to how students are, you know, crafting their extracurriculars to a certain degree, that hopefully there's like a balance between what feels good for a student, what's natural, what's interesting and what's exciting and how that might ultimately look in a college application. But that, 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 that second part's not like guiding decisions too much, that you never want to do something just because you think it would look good on a college application. Absolutely. That's a great point. And it's something we often tell our students, but it's really difficult to execute. Authenticity matters so much. We talk about that with um, counseling students on the essays. And it also uh, holds true for students' extracurricular activities. Authenticity really does matter. And I know that it's a difficult leap of faith and a risk to understand that. But I always say colleges don't really care what you're doing. They really care about the why behind it. And And so students will come to me oftentimes and say, Eric, you know, what should I be doing? There's a lot of shoulding happening Mm -hmm. in the college Mm -hmm. process. And I always replace that should with what would you like to be doing or what would you want to be doing? And ultimately, those are the things that are going to position you for the best success in the college process. So true, because that authenticity kind of leads to a certain level of excitement and that level of excitement's what's going to kind of propel you like into the activity and also help you write about it 
when it comes time to, you know, answer those essay questions. So to really like feel a connection to what it is you're doing is going to help you really get something out of the activity, really whatever it may be. Absolutely. I certainly in high school did some things out of what I felt like was obligation and some things out of desire. And I expect that that sort of enthusiasm or lack of enthusiasm came through on my college applications. I hated soccer, but I played it for 13 years. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I wanted to play the clarinet, but I, my parents wouldn't let me. Um, Whereas, you know, service for me was uh, a big thing that I really was attracted to. And so hopefully that kind of enthusiasm came out, whereas there would be students on the other side who really did a lot of hours of service because their their high school mandated it and they were kind of ambivalent or indifferent towards it. And there are probably students who love soccer more than anything and would write about that with the vigor and passion that colleges would be looking for. So there's no, you know single thing that colleges are looking for and what interests one student may you know be of you know total (laughs) total disinterest to another right seriously yeah and i think you know when it comes to perhaps some you used the word benchmarks earlier so that's what's coming to mind for me too like within the extracurriculars that you're doing the things that you do enjoy i think there are some things that you could hopefully push yourself a little bit to try to accomplish and so one of those things that i'm thinking of is initiative so like once you've found something that you're excited about so maybe it is something like service you know, finding ways to relate that perhaps to other interests that you may have, create something that's going to have an impact on your school community or on your local community. I mean, I think that aspect of initiative is something that's exciting and achievable. Like you don't have to start a nonprofit or, you know, do something at kind of a high level, but you do want to kind of take some chances and really try to to step out of what's already been created or at least find a way to contribute to what's already been created through initiative. Absolutely. And I think there's kind of an intimidation factor, not just with extracurriculars, but with every step of the college process. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of want to lower the stakes a bit, right, and take some of that pressure off of students, because I think that there is this expectation that you have to have done the most, you know, grand, uh, large scale kind of thing in order to stand out in an applicant pool. And that's really not the case. So I discourage, you know, students from kind of scouring Reddit and YouTube and and hearing what other students may or may not have done in order to get into particular colleges. I think that that can just be really toxic, uh, that sort of comparison. And, you know, we've talked a little bit about what not to do now, but Rachel, can you elaborate a little bit more on what you think students should be doing? Oh, no, I said should. (laughs) (laughs) could be doing could be doing yeah i mean i guess you know just to finish a thought on initiative like i'm even thinking like planning like um 
a party or something like with like we can have parties right now. Um, but like planning something like that you can do like within a club, you know, like I just I because I totally agree with what you're saying about wanting to make sure that students don't feel like the bar is so high that it cannot be achieved or only achieved by certain people, but that there are lots of ways you could have an impact and create something with regard to activities and extracurriculars, like on a local level. Um, I mean, I think with something that people could be doing would be perhaps starting using um, freshman year and sophomore year to try out some new things to kind of see maybe um, if doing, you know, theater or the plays is something that you're interested in doing or, um, you know, something of that nature so that you could potentially have some long-term involvement if that were to work out, or you could decide that actually, no, that's not how I prefer to spend my time. And I'd rather do this instead. And you can kind of have those things settled, you know, by the time like fall of senior year, rolls around. So I would say like taking advantage of freshman and sophomore year to start, try some new things um, so that you can get a sense of like, what feels good? What do you enjoy? That's right. And interestingly, now I'm thinking that sort of mirrors, you know, our academic advice many Mm -hmm. times too, where I encourage students in ninth and 10th grade to really explore academically find their strengths and then deepen that commitment academically as they move into junior and senior year. And so I think the same sort of holds true potentially for extracurriculars. Right. right? Absolutely. And it will be the same again when you go to college. Oh my God. So much exploring. (laughs) (laughs) But it kind of comes up to the other conversation that we hear oftentimes, which, you know, is it better to really heavily focus in one or two areas or is it okay to be more of a dabbler Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. to have commitment in a lot of different kinds of disciplines? So I'm interested to hear your thoughts on that. Ooh, yes. I think it is something that is worth, yeah, certainly worth discussing. I mean, I guess it just depends on, I don't think there's a right or wrong approach to extracurriculars. I mean, we've talked already about being authentic and I think I would hope that would drive a student and the choices that they make. And ultimately, if you are a person who enjoys, you know, two or three distinct things, service, athletics, and arts, maybe that's ultimately you know, what you end up doing for your four years in high school. I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong with that if you have the time. Um, Or maybe you are a kid who enjoys just one thing. And when I was at Swarthmore, we would talked about, we talked about like well-rounded and the opposite of a well-rounded student was a pointy student, um, you know, who had like really narrow interests. And in an admissions class, you know, there's room for both. Um, so I think it, I think whatever feels best for a student, I don't think you're going to be doing yourself a disservice. Um, I think you do want to make sure you have enough time and energy to be truly involved in the things that you're doing and not spread yourself too thin. Um, but I don't think there's anything wrong with having kind of a, a varied list of, of activities. What do you think? I totally agree. Yeah. And we used similar language at Columbia. It's really about 
forming when you're bringing in a class and our incoming classes were both small at our respective institutions. So we were looking for both some well-rounded students and then also a well-rounded class. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we did need to bring in a bassoonist in order to fill our orchestra. And that's someone who I would consider quite pointy or someone who was very interested in Russian and Slavic languages. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. However, I also think in that same breath, we wanted to pull in students who were going to be great, um, highly involved, high impact students in our clubs and organizations, you know, so whether that was a service oriented club, uh, something like LGBT or, a, um, you know, Muslim student group, uh, we wanted students who were going to sing a cappella. We wanted students who were going to participate in theater or be on the rowing team or play football. So it really was about that breadth. And the hard part to realize, again, going back to authenticity, being yourself, because we both admitted and denied football players. We both admitted and denied bassoon players. We both admitted and denied Slavic and Russian language um, academic, you know, academic, what would we call them? Students. (laughs) So, you know, rather than spending all that time trying to predict what it is you think the colleges want to see and hear, just do what it is that you want to do and hope that that will be rewarded, particularly if you're building a list of schools that are a good match for you. Um, So I expect it's worth more when you are you know, looking, well, I shouldn't speak on your behalf, but when you're looking at a student who's, who has more disparate interests, you know, and is potentially looking at a liberal arts college, that that's going to lend itself more naturally to the academic and social experience that that student would be getting at a liberal arts school. Whereas if a student is applying to say a direct entry business program, or direct entry to engineering, I think that colleges are going to expect pretty robust involvement in those sorts of disciplines in order to make the strong case that that's a student who has the chops to, you know, be in that program as an undergraduate. Yes. What a good point. You couldn't see me, but I was nodding along. (laughs) I could feel that. (laughs) Well, and so this is interesting because as we're talking about it, I'm thinking like, oh, what about the introverts? Like, what about the quiet students, the shy students? Like, how can people who, how can those people still have a robust list of activities? What might that look like? Colleges love introverts. (laughs) Don't you agree? Yes. Yes. Not everyone needs to be a tour guide or student body president (laughs) or doing model UN. What I love about students who I read who were more introverted is that their activities and usually their letters of recommendation and essays kind of dovetailed nicely Mm -hmm. A different, a different narrative. And I mentioned those other parts of the application because it usually gave us a better uh, understanding of students that were more introverted. So for students who have really powerful, strong essays, uh, because perhaps they read a lot and they're excellent writers and that's where they've distinguished themselves inside and outside of the classroom, whether they're writing for the newspaper or doing the school's literary magazine, then the recommendations would usually corroborate that right so you'd hear from the English teacher how um, I've, I've heard the term quiet leader mm-hmm. you know that kind of language where you know the student may not speak up that much in class but if and when they do the students really listen and the, the faculty member really listens so there's certainly a place for those students and I think that it will just take a different sort of look 
on the application. And I don't know if you want to elaborate on that. You probably have a lot. Well, I don't know if you have experience with introverts. I love them, know them, care about them. I, I have introverted friends. No, just <laughs> I, you know, it's like we, I totally agree that the full picture, you know, of any student comes from often those like letters of recommendations, the essays to really kind of understand that student, um, at least in the context of college admissions. And I think we, we would talk about in committee, I had a colleague who used the phrase gluey kid. Like the gluey kid is someone who holds everything together. So they're not necessarily like out front, leading the meetings, but they are like more kind of behind the scenes. So I think there's also a good deal of, um, I guess, awareness and kind of recognition from like most committees and readers that leadership in that way, like comes in many forms. Absolutely. Um, like, yeah, we, we totally take glue for granted. It's everywhere. <laughs> and I never think about it. Yes. Thank you. Thank you, glue. <laughs> Glue is doing the most. Good for you, Glue. You go, Glue. <laughs> we have winter break is coming up for a lot of students. Are there things that folks should be considering or doing with regard to like extracurriculars? What do you think? It's a challenging uh, question because there's that should that rears its ugly head. Mm -hmm. and, um, and by no fault of anyone, it, it, it comes up from students and me all the time. I think the reality is, you know, and I've said this to many of my students already, 2020 has been taxing and <laughs> students have migrated to online learning. It's been such a turbulent year for so many reasons that part of me wants to say, like, it's totally okay to relax. Like, yeah fire, make your cocoa. And we had talked about reading a book. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me more about these books I keep hearing about. <laughs> oh my God. I, I think that, I guess, yes, with my students I'm working with currently, I'm encouraging everyone to read a book over break. Um, because why, well, why would I read a book? Why would I read a book? Well, it's, it's like my answer to that it feels like an answer to like why would I do any of these activities that we're talking about you know the first reason is that you would get something out of it and then the second smaller reason is that it will come up in the college admissions process um so I'm encouraging students to read about something of interest with the hope that they will get like more of a direction or an understanding of their own interests out of what they read. Um, so it's a very like general kind of recommendation, but with the hope that on the other side, you can say, you know what, this is what I like about business. This is what I like about, um, you know, journalism whatever the topic is. Um, and we also know that some colleges will ask what books you have read for pleasure and also for school that you've enjoyed the most. So it sure is nice to be able to have an answer to that. Absolutely. I mean, we asked for that at Columbia and it's becoming increasingly common at other schools just to understand, you know, the 
the interests that students pursue outside of their coursework. And interestingly, as a nice corollary, that is, again, that extracurricular involvement. So what we liked to see if it was possible was what was something academically that you learned about in the classroom that then precipitated some sort of exploration academically outside of class. And similarly, when you found something on campus, you know, within arm's reach at your high school that was of interest to you extracurricularly, did you then, you know, did that then prompt you to act and and pursue that interest externally. That was always something that I found really, um, you know, as a, as a differentiator. So rather than just being a participant, being proactive and taking those things that you learned inside of school and getting outside of the walls and the comfort of your school and trying to pursue those sort of on a, on a more macro level. Um, yeah. Reading is fundamental. <laughs> Yes. Well, and I just love, I mean, I think what you're talking about is a way that uh, an an admissions reader can get a sense of um, a student's intellectual curiosity. And it's interesting. I mean, I guess along with reading a book, you know, we could also recommend that students like go down a Wikipedia hole you know, like click on some, start somewhere on Wikipedia and just click through and see like where you end up um, to maybe like learn something new or a different approach to a topic that you're kind of curious about. I mean, those kind of things could maybe ultimately just be of interest to you, but potentially like inform something that you end up wanting to pursue, you know, this spring or even like over the summer, you know, with regard to activities. Totally. I went down the rabbit hole and I learned that trees are in fact intelligent. Their roots communicate with one another Mm -hmm. and they give more nutrients to trees that are struggling and have nutrient deficiencies. Also, the smell of fresh cut grass is actually grass releasing a warning to other grass that danger is out there. So, yeah, go down the Wikipedia rabbit hole and see where it takes you. Have you ever had one, Rachel? Well, I don't know that I'll, that last one about the grass made my jaw drop. I, I know <laughs> it's so sad, but yet it smells so fragrant. Well, and this is probably just a symptom of, you know, coming off of, um, you know, application prep work, but I can totally see you writing a 200 word essay about one of these topics. Totally. I learned a lot about feline dehydration. It's an epidemic. Everyone needs to know. Don't feed your cat dry cat food. It's not good for them. So. Ah, see? <laughs> but I think like, I also imagine these kind of topics being helpful during an interview. Totally. You no, know? I mean, when you're sitting down with an admissions counselor, like I would ask about you know, have you read anything that you've enjoyed recently? And it's not the end of the world if someone says no, but it's a lot better of a conversation if they say yes, and then they tell me about it. And interestingly, I find that when I ask students, what's something that you did 
in your, you know, what's a book that you read in your English class that you really enjoyed? And, you know, half of students have said, you know, Macbeth, because they're still teaching that even since I went to high school. But instead, if I pivot and say, what are some of the subreddits that you're really into? Uh, what are you know, the sides of TikTok that you're into? Like, it might seem informal, which is uh, oftentimes, you know, shunned in the college process, because students think that it won't be taken seriously. But that's when I see students getting really excited about things that are more important to them at times. That's great. And there's still room for that in the college application process because, you know, Columbia comes to mind again as a school that asks about like what kind of publications and websites are you engaging with, you know, so you could have a chance to report some of that stuff. And, and in doing so you share more about who you are. And I think that, you know, once you have kind of crossed that, you know, you've been deemed academically viable, you know, based on your transcript and your test scores, like those tidbits of personality is what's going to help to set you apart. And I think that's, you know, one of the, one of the ways that activities kind of serves like in this whole process. That's right. And yet again, I think it's important just to revisit the fact that the expectation is not so grand from the college admissions officers. I'm always looking at students within the context of their high school, and that's something mm -hmm. that we about with the academic information, but it's true again of the extracurricular activities. So activities are going to look very different depending on what's offered to you and also what's within arm's reach of you as well. So I definitely read students who were from more rural communities and, and many times their activities looked very different. Love you, future farm workers of America. Great. Um, thanks for showing those pigs. Carry on. And, um, you know, versus students who were from more urban centers where they might be, you know, I had a fixed gear cyclist who would go uh, ride in Central Park every night at, you know, 3 a.m. and get in trouble and entangled with the police. Um, but yeah, don't do that. But like you could do that. And like he got into college. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you bring up such a good point about the context, too, because it, it makes me think, too, like of um, a student who had like a significant commute to school so that that limited what they were able to do after school. And the admissions committee was aware of that too. So yes, context is really important when you're evaluating an application and all the pieces within it. Yeah. And that brings me back to an idea that I was thinking about and missed uh, earlier on, which is many students can not participate more fully in the life of the school if they have uh, extra family responsibilities. So some of my students have, you know, part-time work that supplements the income of the family. They may have responsibilities taking care for taking care of younger siblings within the home. And so those are not go those are things that are going to be on you know, very similar, if not even higher footing than some of the other more traditional activities within the school. Uh, so colleges are going to be sensitive to the fact that a student who has responsibilities out, outside of the household is not going to be held to the same standard as, an, as another student in terms of how fully they can participate in the life of the school. 
Right. Absolutely. And, and that, you know, within the common application too, they have finally made room for that, you know, within the drop down menu, when you're filling out your activities list, there is a place for family responsibilities as there should be. Absolutely. Rachel, any parting words of wisdoms for our listeners out there about the extracurricular activities and or final thoughts of wisdom on any other topic? You know, I guess there are two things that come to mind. One, you know, that letting your true interests kind of be the driving force behind the decisions that you make. And then two, you know, being informed of perhaps, you know, what other people are doing, but not in a way that where you are comparing yourself too much to other people. So I guess it really comes back to our kind of theme of authenticity, trying to stay true to yourself, you know, being aware of what needs to happen, but finding your own interpretation of that. Yeah, I think that we, some of us struggle with that into adulthood. So if you can get a handle on it as a young person, it will save you a lot of money on therapy later. So true. So true. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Rachel, thank you so much. And to the listeners out there, thank you so much for tuning in. Please remember to subscribe to our podcast. Uh, We're so glad that you joined us for Just Admit It. And if you join our knowledge base um, and college admissions blog, you'll also find the most up-to-date college prep news and advice. 